Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 16 through 31. Jesus said to his disciples, See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings because of me. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at the time. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I said to you in the dark, tell it in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim it from rooftops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. But are not two sparrows sold for a single penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground unaccompanied by your father. Even the hairs of your head are all counted So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, if you have been wondering why we are focusing on birds for the next few weeks, you are in good company. A Jewish rabbi once said of scripture, Turn it and turn it, for everything is in it. Look deeply into it and grow old with it and spend time over it and do not stir from it, for there is no greater portion. There is always more life to see and more truth to learn and more intrigue to explore. In addition to this online worship service, we have been worshiping outdoors for four months now. I have been struck by how loud those services are. And sure, sometimes it's a police siren or a car engine, but far more likely it's a loud gust of wind or a songbird that just will not stop. It's a funny thing, really, to find myself in a shouting match with a bird. That is, of course, the absolute wrong way to think of it. And so sometimes I have wondered, when the sparrows and the wrens and the robins really get going, if maybe I should just be quiet and we should listen to what they have to say, if we should learn from whatever it is they have to teach us. Because they do have something to teach us, 
even in scripture itself. Birds are absolutely everywhere in the Bible from start to finish. God hovers over the face of the waters in Genesis, much, the ancient rabbis suggest, like a bird. And birds eat away at the defeated beast at the end of Revelation. In between, birds are the currency of mercy. They are the most common sacrifice. Birds birds bring bread to the prophets. They are food for those who are wandering. The psalmist tells us God is a bird who carries God's children on her wings. God is a bird under whose feathers we find refuge. Jesus compares himself to a mother hen, and he is the one who tells us to consider the birds. Once you start looking for birds in the Bible or in life, you will find them everywhere. When I shared this sermon series information with our music staff, I did so with a bit of fear and trembling, for it is a bit unusual. Birds, they said. But then I received an email from Dr. Alicia Walker. That email read, It turns out I know quite a bit of music with bird references, she said. There's more music about birds than you might first think. I think the same is true when it comes to the grace of God. If you stop to pay attention, you'll discover that there's far more of it than you ever thought possible, and often in places you'd never noticed before. So let us consider the birds together. And this week, let us consider the sparrow. In the, course of three short, in the course of three short verses in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us that sparrows are worth basically nothing to humans and that not one of them is ever forgotten by God. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, he says, and yet, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground unaccompanied by your father. So do not be afraid, for you are worth more than many sparrows. For a time, sparrows were the cheapest of sacrifices. They were a sacrifice that even the poorest of the poor could afford. Two for one penny. So often we have to debate the worth of something or someone. But here the gospel is very clear. You could obtain not one but two sparrows for the closest thing next to nothing. The house sparrow was and still is just about everywhere. It is one of the most common animals in the world And that is a declaration that tends to come without any fanfare. Field guides describe them as bland, dingy, and dull, with songs that are monotonous and grating. The Egyptian hieroglyph based on the sparrow had no phonetic value whatsoever. It was used in words to represent small, narrow, or bad. In ancient Sumerian cuneiform writing, 
The sparrow was the symbol for the word enemy. St. Dominic once called a sparrow that interrupted his lecture the devil incarnate, and then he plucked all of its feathers off in front of his extremely traumatized students. Honestly, worthless isn't the half of it. Sparrows often inspired rage. In the 16th century, a Lutheran pastor, he lobbied his local government to completely exterminate the bird, claiming its ongoing song distracted his congregation from his sermons. Apparently, reducing the quantity of the birds seemed more realistic than increasing the quality of his preaching. But the house sparrow is called the house sparrow for a reason. It arose and evolved and multiplied wherever we arose and evolved and multiplied. Their story is thoroughly intertwined with ours. And though it's often said that the house sparrow is native to Europe, it would be more accurate to say that it is native to the human habitat. Skeletons that were recently found in an ancient cave in Israel, they suggest that the sparrow cohabitated with or in remarkably close proximity to humans as long as 100,000 years ago. Sparrows go where we go, and they build where we build, and they seek shelter where we seek shelter. And for this, they are considered an annoyance at best and an enemy at worst. Because in addition to everything else about them, they can be aggressive. They compete with rarer and more beautiful birds for nesting space. And they usually win. When the eastern bluebird began to disappear, sparrows were blamed And so to encourage bluebirds, birders and farmers and environmental advocates all began installing bluebird houses. This did very little to help, though, because as soon as a new birdhouse was put up, sparrows moved in. And so wherever sparrows have gone, people have sought to chase them away and make their environment unpalatable and take, sometimes, even more drastic measures. After all, are not two sparrows sold for a single penny? But then again, not one of them falls to the ground unnoticed and unaccompanied by God. This is not a new message, for the record, But God cares for what the world considers to be insignificant and unpalatable. God goes out on a limb for the weak and the poor, for the widows and the broken. Jesus makes a feast for the common people and then also shares a table with the sinners and the rabble-rousers. God's eye is on the sparrow, even when maybe especially when our eyes are seeking out something with a little more prestige, a little better behavior, a little less trouble. 
That is why I think that scripture continues to press the point that God loves the commonplace and the everyday and the nothing special. That Christ came to save the world, absolutely the whole world, and that the Spirit redeems not only that which is overlooked, but also that which is considered incredibly unpleasant. God simply refuses to reserve God's love for that which the world defines as important and beautiful. God insists on loving everyone and everything that the world calls unlovable. One theologian puts it this way. She says, perhaps it is not our love of the sacred that will ultimately help save the world as much as it is our willingness to embrace the profane. The truth is, it's pretty easy to hate. It is astonishingly simple to create a list of the qualities of other residents on our planet that we don't care much for, whether it's our next-door neighbors or our spouses or our colleagues or our parents or our children, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents, whether it's the Black Lives Matter advocates or the All Lives Matter responders, whether it's those who are pro-mask or those who are anti-mask, it is anyone who is not like us or aligned with us. And that list goes on and on and on. But the thing is, I'm not sure that generating more reason to hate or more reason to ridicule or more reason to belittle has ever once resulted in more love. Jesus seems very clear on this point. Whoever is the most unlovable in your life, he says, love them. And whoever seems worth the least, he says, value them more than the others. Pay attention. See what and who is longing to be seen. Consider the birds, because not one sparrow falls to the ground unnoticed and unaccompanied by God. Just yesterday, we celebrated the life of Scott Barnes, who was perhaps more than any individual in the history of this church, the very embodiment of welcome and hospitality and grace. There was room for everyone, absolutely everyone, Scott believed, and he lived that out literally. It did not matter if the service was already underway If somebody new came to the door, he was going to welcome them, liturgy, sermon, or singing notwithstanding. In recognition of his remarkable spirit, the session named him Ambassador Emeritus when he moved into assisted living and wasn't able to attend in person each week. Now, to be clear, Ambassador Emeritus was not something that existed Scott's capacity for welcome and inclusion, Scott's desire to extend God's love was so deep and so wide, we had to create something new 
just to honor it properly. We celebrated Scott's life yesterday. Just a few days ago, we celebrated the ordination and installation of our newest church officers. That will be included later in this service. We recorded it so that we could share it with you. These newest elders and deacons, they answered a number of questions in the affirmative about their willingness to serve God and whether they would love their neighbor and if they would proclaim the good news of the gospel. They answered all sorts of questions, but I am wondering now if maybe we should have included one more. Will you consider the birds? Because really, that's a question for all of us. It's the task that Scott pursued with the fullness of his life. And it's the task that our new officers will pursue in their new roles. But in the broadest and truest sense, it is the task for all of us. Will we notice the sparrow? Will we respond to contempt with compassion? Will we lift up whatever it is that the world casts aside? Will we choose love in response to even the strongest hate? If we do, it's not just the sparrow that will benefit. That's the way the world works. That's the way that creation was designed. Our lives are all inextricably intertwined. Because the sparrow may be common and basic. It may be dull and uninteresting. It may even at times be aggressive and unpleasant. And in Australia, there is video footage that sparrows have learned to open automatic doors not for themselves, but for one another, particularly when the weather is threatening. One of them hovers in front of the electric sensor until the door opens and all the rest can enter in safely and ride out the storm. And even though the sparrow is in no way whatsoever a water bird, it can swim when it needs to in order to escape a predator or a trap. They will adapt more than scientists previously thought possible in order to survive. And while our hearts beat 70 times a minute, a sparrow's heart beats 800 times. And while we at rest breathe about 18 times a minute, a sparrow breathes 90 times. I know it isn't scientifically the case, but I like to think that this means that when we are afraid and our hearts skip a beat, or when we are anxious and we can't catch our breath, the sparrows are there, and they keep the world breathing and beating for us in order that we all, we all survive and one day thrive. Consider the birds, value the sparrow. Not one is ever overlooked by God.
Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.